Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Straight ahead on the insiders, no, he did not stand on the furniture this time, but Beto O'Rourke did talk to us about what an Iowan taught him during a campaign event in our state, plus some inside info on his Iowa caucus campaign. Eddie Morrow is trying for a third time to get into public office. Hear how he answers critics who say he just wants to be a politician. It doesn't matter about the job and his plan for convincing you the economy is not all that it seems. We also have a Ford Dodge mother and daughter. They share what it's like to serve a lot of politicians over the years, and that includes a special drink request from a vice president. Hello, thanks for being with us on The Insiders. Let's start with an Iowa woman who is trying to make the most of all of these presidential candidates coming to this state so often. She owns a daycare in Tipton. Now, some of the candidates, including Texas's Beto O'Rourke, want universal preschool for four-year-olds and maybe three-year-olds, too. Deb Vandergas says that's where daycares make their money, though. It takes more workers to care for infants, so that's more expensive for her. She says she actually loses money when she cares for babies at her daycare center. So she says she makes money caring for those three and four-year-olds because those kids don't require as much supervision. She wanted O'Rourke to understand what his idea could do to her Tipton Center that's served the Eastern Iowa community since 2005. When we care for infants, we are actually, the cost of care is more than what we're receiving. And we can't ask the parents to pay more. So in a child care center, it's those older children where they can have 12 four-year-olds to a teacher, eight three-year-olds to a teacher, that are actually um, subsidizing that one to four ratio in the infant room or that one to six ratio in the two-year-old room. So if you take away the three and four-year-olds, we're no longer viable. 
and that's going to hurt families because already there are many daycares that will not take infants and toddlers because of that and um, it's going to drive up the cost for them and make care even harder to find and infant and toddler care is an even more shortage than any other care so, and we want to make sure we're providing good quality care and not increasing the number of babies per caregiver to where they can't provide good quality care and it's already tough for you to pay workers as much as you want to pay them but for the parents to be able to afford to come in the first place right Right, exactly. I mean, when you talk about the child care costs more than college tuition or as much as, but there's no financial aid, there's no grants, there's no loans. They're, they're having to pay for it right now. And child care assistance in Iowa pays below market rate. And so there are many daycares that limit the number of children they'll take with child care assistance or won't take it at all, often in urban areas. And so this is hurting families. And then child care providers, because um, we've got ever-increasing requirements for training and quality without increasing uh, subsidy to pay for it. They're giving up and going somewhere else. I have a bachelor's degree in nursing and a nursing license. I am making $35,000 a year if I actually pay myself every time. I don't even have to cut my own pay to pay my staff. And my staff only averages between 8 and $9 an hour. That's criminal. You know, we talk about Walmart underpaying their workers. People leave me to go work at Walmart because it pays better. And so nationwide, it's a 30% turnover in child care providers. So we talk about raising quality and increasing training and so forth. I'm retraining people every few months. You know, I'll have a few lead positions that stay, but most of my other positions change at least once or twice a year. And so that's a lot of investment in training, and that doesn't increase quality for the kids. That makes it to where they can't even bond with their caregivers because they're constantly changing. She told me that she talked to her work both during and after that event in Tipton. She says that she's going to stay in touch with him, make sure that he understands to remember these daycare centers. O'Rourke told me that she definitely got his attention. Absolutely. Um, and, and even better, uh, she came up to me afterwards and has offered to work with me to make sure that we get a solution. She told me that she sent her own kids to pre-K, so she knows that this is the right thing to do, but she wants to make sure that we think through all of the consequences of that decision and make sure that it's profitable for child care centers to be able to take care of younger children, uh, which, which I think is critical. We talked about doubling the size of the block grants that the federal government sends to the states to make this affordable to do, uh, paying child care workers more so that they can afford to work in that profession and then afford to send their own kids uh, to child care. And then I'm looking forward to being guided by Deb on, on other things that we might be able to achieve together. O'Rourke and those 22 others likely need some kind of decent success in our state to have a shot at the nomination. So what's the idea here? Do you target rural Iowans? Do you go for urban folks? What's the game plan? It's everyone. Uh, and, and we just, I don't think we can pick and choose um, the people that we're going to listen to, uh, the voters to whom we will appeal. It's got to be everybody. Um, and by going to rural Iowa, for example, I have learned so much. We were just talking about um, practices that improve the quality of our soil, the quality of, of our water, uh, that pay farmers for providing environmental services from which we all benefit. 
um, by going to the cities and going to a lot of college campuses, I'm learning about the consequence of uh, the full cost of, of tuition and living expenses and the student loan debt that that produces and the need to have a, a solution to that. So um, if, if we're going to meet this country's challenges, we're going to need to hear about them from everybody. Uh, and then we're going to need to listen to everybody about what the solutions to those challenges are. So. That's, that's the way that I've always served. It's the way that I'm campaigning now, and it's, it's what I take the, the greatest joy in being able to do. So you'll see us continue to travel the counties of, of Iowa to listen to everybody. We talked to him after that town hall that he did in Tipton. He started off, he gave a stump speech for about 10 minutes or so. Then he took questions from people in the audience for about half an hour. I want to make sure that those who take the time to come out drive the conversation. Um, whoever wants to ask a question, uh, make a point, offer some constructive criticism, all of that makes me a, a better candidate and I hope uh, a, a better servant for this community and this country in the White House. And so, um, you know, that's, that's how, how I can do a better job. Uh, those who could not be here could follow on live stream and they can see how I answer the question in Tipton versus how I answered it in Des Moines versus how I answered it in Las Vegas. And I think that produces some transparency and accountability that we need more of in our, our politics and in our democracy. There was a moment during that town hall when a man in the crowd stood up and he was kind of talking with his finger and he said, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg had the gravitas to be president, do you? So here's what O'Rourke told us afterwards about he will play the competition here in this Democratic presidential race, how he'll talk about him. In terms of the assessment, who the hell knows um, this, this far out from the, the first caucuses or election? There's so much time, so many people to meet, um, so many uh, highs and lows that every single candidate is, is going to experience. So um, I, I really am not concerned about that. My, my responsibility, I can't control um, you know, the vice president or, or the mayor or the other contenders, what they do. All, all I can control is um, what I share with folks and how I respond to their questions. And, and I wanna keep that focus on what's most important to them versus you know, the, the horse race um, you know, this many months out. Um, so um, that's, that's gonna continue to be my strategy. Um, I, I don't wanna distinguish myself in contrast to somebody else, and that was one of the questions posed today. Um, I, I want to distinguish myself in the service that I've provided, the way that we're running this campaign, um, the answers uh, that I give to the questions that, that are asked here. Um, so um, that's, that's the way to do this. Some of the national media, though, really love that horse race. All right, one final topic here for O'Rourke. Somebody had asked him about the importance of campaign volunteers and wanted some inside info on how he measures how the campaign is connecting with potential caucus goers. After a meeting like this, um, having a conversation with our excellent um, leadership in, in Iowa about how many people uh, made a commitment to, to caucus for us or signed up to volunteer. Um, so, so that's really encouraging. And, and without, fail, without fail at every event, someone comes up and says, look, I, I wanna do more than just show up at these things. I wanna do more than just vote. I, I wanna volunteer or organize or host something or, or canvas or be a leader in your campaign. Um, that's, that's incredibly in, encouraging to me. So that's, that's a great metric or a sign for, for me to look for. 
course, we'll really find out February 3rd when we actually have the caucuses. Uh, Eddie Morrow has officially started his campaign. This is now going to be week two of his campaign for the U.S. Senate. Coming up next, how he'll talk about the economy, the president, and those who question whether he just wants to be in office, any office. A Fort Dodge coffee shop and cafe hosted one of Eddie Morrow's first stops on his campaign for the U.S. Senate. There was a small crowd there, about eight people, not counting the staff, and some in that crowd wanted to talk about the economy. Now, Morrow had watched last year as Fred Hubble in that campaign for governor failed to convince enough Iowans that Republicans shouldn't remain in charge of the state. Morrow, after his event in Fort Dodge, told me that he will try to make sure that people better understand what is happening in his mind. Well, it can't all be about the economy. Um, you know, we can talk about uh, the job uh, rate, um, and it looks promising. But I think we need to talk more about the underlying indicators. Um, and the underlying indicators are telling us that people are working two or three jobs, and they're still struggling to get by. Um, the underlying indicators are telling us 80% of, tell of Iowans uh, are living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and that 50% uh, of Iowans are, are $500 away from financial disaster. So why the jobs numbers look promising, some, some wages in some sectors seem to be up, by and large people are still struggling out there and we need to go make sure we're talking about that message. But what can a senator do about that? What can a senator do about that? Um, well, Senator, to make sure we got the right tax policies in place that, that that's not, you know, giving 83 percent of the benefits to the wealthiest people in our country. Um, a senator, will go make sure we're investing in our education system to make sure that people are getting a chance to go find better-paying jobs. A senator, to go out and make sure that we're, we're we are uh, um, uh, welcoming the challenge of, of of automation, artificial intelligence, and technology, and making sure we're positioning ourselves for a 21st century economy. Um, and that's not going on with our current senator. Another thing he says that could help is a higher minimum wage, but he couldn't say yet how much the current seven and a quarter per hour federal minimum wage should go up. He also criticized the president's tax cuts that Republicans approved back in 2017, but he couldn't say yet how he would change them. No, it's a good question, and, and we need to get, get a bunch of people around the table and talk about what the best pathway is forward. Um, we didn't do real tax reform. It was just a tax giveaway. I'm still interested in talking about real tax reform, the kind of tax reform that we did back in the 80s with a Republican um, president and a, and a Democrat Senate, um, and, and using people that could get across the table and find out what is really meaningful and fair for hardworking Iowans, hardworking Americans. How do we shore up some of the loopholes that are out there that are allowing people not to pay their fair share? And there's a lot of people not paying their fair share, and some are actually willing to pay their fair share, but the rules um, uh, are allowing them not to do that. Um, and we need to go out and have frank and fair conversations because, quite honestly, it is the people um, in the middle that are, that are paying more than their fair share. I mean, think about this, Dave. Uh, a person that has $100,000 of income from investments and a person that has $100,000 from working through blood and sweat, that blood and sweat guy or gal actually pays more in taxes than the person that's sitting at their desk with $100,000 in investments. There's something fundamentally wrong about that. They should be paying the same amount. 
they should be paying the same amount. And people need to know that that's the case. Again, we've, we've conned and misled people to think they got this great deal. We keep seeing editorials about it in the paper from, from our elected officials about what a great deal this thing was. Um, and a lot of people, and I mentioned this earlier, people got something. I'm not going to say they didn't get anything. There's some people that got $700, $800, you, you know, you, you, you average out over the course of the year, that's 60 bucks, 70 bucks a month, 90 bucks a month. Um, and you look at what people at the top are getting, and again, the people that the hardworking Iowans that we need to be fighting for got, got, got crumbs. And the people at the top got loaves and loaves of bread. And they're taking those loaves and they're, and they're, and they're reinvesting them in stock options and they're putting them back into, in, in, into their businesses or, or into their employees um, or anywhere else. They're, they're doubling down on themselves and they're, and they're, and they're getting away um, uh, with windfalls that, that are indescribable. Um, and that is also skewing the actual numbers of the economy that's out there. That's, that's skewing um, the, the stock market. That's, a, that, that, that's skewing what's going on um, uh, around this country. By and large, hardworking Iowans are still struggling. Now, you heard him mention President Trump a few times there, but if you go back to 2016, we know that some Democrats actually wanted Donald Trump to be president instead of Hillary Clinton. So how's he plan on talking about the president? Well, first of all, I'm not running against anybody. I'm running for the United States Senate. I, I, I'm running to get the vote, earn the vote and the trust of the people of, of this state. Um, so I'm not looking at that I have an opponent. Um, in, in, in trying to make my case for that, we're gonna have to go differentiate ourselves, we'll go do that. I'm definitely not running against Mr. Trump. Um, uh, I, think, I think his, his mannerism, the way he's led this country so far speaks for itself. I think there'll be a lot of people I've been running around the, around the state and around the country um, who, who already been, uh, who've already lost interest. Um, he, he, he came into us and, and, and talked a good game. And you're right, Democrats and independents and Republicans alike, uh, all bought into some of that message. Um, and the fact of the matter is either he blatantly lied to us um, or, or he doesn't have the wherewithal to really um, uh, produce or what he sold us. I think it's the former, by the way. I think he had no interest in really helping people out. Um, and we talked about draining the swamp and that swamp is getting worse and worse every single day. Um, alligators want to get out of that swamp. That's how bad that is. Um, you know, he, he's out there talking about how he wants to help hardworking people, but everything he does is just goes against that. He was talking about you know, fighting to repeal health care, um, not using the courts to do that. Still has no plan. Wants us to wait for another couple years so we can see a plan. Um, and I think, the, I think people in the, in the state and this country are starting to see through um, uh, the smoke and mirrors that he brought us. Um, and I'm looking forward to a full repudiation in 2020. My job, though, is to go out and talk to people like this at Bloomers, to run around this state, um, talk about what I stand for and that I want to stand with these people. I want to listen to them. I want to hear their stories. I want, to, I want to hear what's going on in their worlds and how do we go put policy around so they can live happier and less stressful lives. I always, always comment about Donald Trump telling us what a great business person is, but his customer service sucks because he's got half of this country or more always anxious, always angry. Um, and that's not, that's not good customer service. I mean, we, everybody should be walking up and down the streets of this country today feeling good about themselves. If that's the kind of business person he is, if that's the kind of customer service he's providing, that's not happening. People are angry, people are frustrated, people are, are afraid um, about their future, about the future for their kids and their grandkids. You heard he mentioned Bloomers there. That's the name of the coffee shop where he held his event. 
I want you to hear something from the women who run Bloomers in a couple of minutes, though. First, though, Morrow's background here. You'll remember in 2016, he ran for the Iowa State House in the primary and lost. Ran in the primary again in 2018 when he ran in the 3rd Congressional District, lost that one. Now it's the Democratic primary in this U.S. Senate contest. I've run two really good races. I felt really good about those races. Um, I, I, I talk about how uh, I've learned an awful lot from those races. It puts me in a position to be the best candidate here in 2020. Um, I remind people that you know uh, life is full of failure. I come from a, a, a life of failure. Sports is all about failure. And there's a lot of people that are standing up and they're swinging and they're missing. Uh, and some of us swung and struck out once. Some struck out twice. Some struck out three times. But some of those people come up to bat and they've gone on to be state legislators, they've gone on to be congressmen, they've gone on to be governors, some have gone on to be presidents. Um, and they have stood up and struck out once or twice. Um, I'm not here again for a job. I'm here because I got passion. I've demonstrated my whole life. You go look at my life history, you go look at the story of my life. I've been helping people since I've been about 14 years old. Um, um, and, and, and I think I'm now at the point in my life where I've done a lot of advocacy work. I've, I've, I've went out and demonstrated that I can push policy um, both at the state and, and, and local level. I can bring people across the aisle that, that maybe not agree with each other and get things done. Um, and I think D.C. can use a little bit of dose of what I've learned through my service work and advocacy work. Um, I think I make an outstanding senator. All right, back to bloomers in Fort Dodge. The women there, they have seen and served a lot of politicians over the years. So when we come back, they try to recall some of the more well-known ones who've sampled their best, along with a special drink request. So Eddie Morrow's campaign chose to have that event at Bloomers in Fort Dodge. A mother and daughter run things there. And I asked them to try to remember all of the big name politicians who either been there or bought from there in the past. Al Gore, Barack Obama, Rick Perry, Michelle Bachman. I think we did lunches out to the college for Trump when he was in town. We did that. We did that when he gave his speech at the college. Mm -hmm. Mike Pence was in town. Did you do him? No, we did not. We did not Mike. do Mike. Who was the one that had to have the special drink? Al Gore. Al Gore. Mm -hmm. He had a special drink. He had a special drink. Special we had, yeah. tea drink. Tea drinks we had to make. Yes. Us. Oh, okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yep. Did it have alcohol in it? Was it that no, kind of special? No, 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 nothing like that. <laughs> yeah. What was special about it? You remember? Well, it was, it was a brand. Mm -hmm. we yeah, yeah we had to kind of go search it out. Search it out. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, we try to get with exactly what they want and uh, things like that. So it's been, it's been really fun to work with them. 
It was just iced tea. I thought we'd get something scandalous there. Guess not. <laughs> All right. President Trump, Chuck Sumer, and Nancy Pelosi don't exactly seem like best buds these days, right? See why Senator Chuck Grassley doesn't seem too worried about it. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi had said that she thought President Trump obstructed those investigations into him and his campaign, essentially broke the law. The president comes back, he's accusing Democrats of refusing to work on important things like fixing the country's infrastructure. They were supposed to talk about that in a meeting. That whole thing blew up, didn't really happen in a meeting, and that it was supposed to. So we talked to Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, but he says he's really not too concerned about the aftermath of what happened there. And that doesn't mean anything. You get back together. I've even been, in, I've even gone to other congressmen's offices, and uh, it's at least one time, I even had a congressman walk out of his own office. So everything's all good. Coming up next, the quick six, and it's all about connections. I want to close this week with staying connected. So that's the focus of the Insider's Quick Six. Topic one here, how you're watching us today. You can only watch us online. So first time we tried this, so we got preempted on TV. It happens occasionally with sports or other special programming. But I'm going to try every week that we at least continue this conversation this way. So I appreciate you connecting with us. Uh, number two, and I should have mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but we started podcasting the insiders. So if you are into podcasting and prefer that mode, or if you know somebody else would, if you'd let them know. Number three, speaking of podcasts, I started another one. It's called The Price of Politics, etc. We've had the governor on there. We've had some of the presidential candidates. We will have a lot more of them. We usually do one about every week or two. So I hope to check on that if you will stay connected with that and you can also get it on this website too if you just go into the podcast section at the top of whotv.com number four here we're going to do some more facebook lives we've done some of those in the past so watch for that starting next month number five twitter that's the way we can best communicate back and forth throughout the week you know between insiders i dave price if you want to connect that way and finally i'll leave you with this prediction so we have 23 democrats running for president and it can be very confusing to try to remember who said what who believes what so later this summer we're going to try this little experiment i guess you would call it to help us all remember what they want where they want to take the country, who believes in what, who doesn't believe in something else. So watch for that as well. So sorry for all of the uh, self-promotion here, but I wanted to kind of connect about what we have planned for the next several months. Hope you will stay connected with us throughout the week. We'll see you next week for The Insiders.